0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester's Red Podcast. I'm coming to you after better performance from United this weekend, winning 3-0 away Tottenham
1: Hotspur in London. And I'm joined today by Tyrone, who was at the game. Tyrone, how Hello. are you doing? Uh yeah, now I'm now I'm back on safe ground up in the uh, up in the northwest. I'm good. Thanks, Stephen.
0: We we're just talking about your trains are back already, weren't we? What was going on down there? Like,
1: yeah, absolutely brutal. I left left Houston at 9.46 yesterday, Sunday morning, and twice returned to euston on a train and ended up getting home 23 hours after i should have done so yeah quite quite the journey to get back
0: well at least it was a positive performance for the report on at least it wasn't a, exactly. another hammering uh you know little small mercies and rich i hope you enjoyed your week off
2: how was it yeah, it was nice. Feel refreshed. Um, yeah, thankfully they didn't have the sort of travel chaos Tyrone had. But yeah, raring to go. We've got the international break on the on the horizon, though, haven't we? Which uh, as soon as I realised that when I logged on this morning, really sort of <laughs> knocked me down a few pegs because uh, yeah, the last international break was hell. Hopefully, that this one, you know, can go into it on the on the back of some good results. And yeah, like you said a very big week ahead. Yep, exactly,
0: and we'll just get straight into it then to discuss that performance um, in London against Tottenham. Obviously, Ty, the, the big talking point straight out of the blocks was the the formation change. We knew some change was going to be coming um, after that Liverpool defeat. What was your reaction really to the change in formation? And without bragging too much and blowing your trumpet, but you did call it.
1: <laughs> I did, yes. In our uh, our sort of writers panel on the Saturday morning, I called for a uh, three-five-two. Basically, in fact, I got ten of the eleven right and just had Van der Beek in ahead of McTominay. Who Soskic called man of the match by miles, so he's just clinging onto his job ahead of me at the moment. To be <laughs> fair, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a change that that had to happen. Really, I called for it last week as well against um, Atalanta and Liverpool, and thought it made a lot of sense. Really, United's biggest problem has has obviously been defensively this season. They've been far too open. The gaps between the lines between defence, midfield, and attack have been massive. They've been far too easy to play against, and it's it was a case of of needs must really. And you know, I thought I thought it was a, a Maybe triumph is overdoing it. But I think Soscar deserves a lot of a lot of credit for the way he changed it. I thought it did fix some of those biggest problems, albeit we should caveat it with it. The fact it was against a, a pretty wretched Tottenham team, really. I mean, they were awful and offered absolutely nothing. But you could tell even structurally it had fixed some of those issues for United. Like we said, the defence that kept one clean sheet all season and and that was down purely to De Gea at Wolves. On Saturday, he didn't have anything to do. The defence was very solid. Thought for was excellent in the middle of the back three. And and organised it well on the ball. They had a lot more control as well. It's been noticeable a few times this season. Solskjaer has spoken about them finishing attacks too quickly, and you know he, he he sets them up to be direct and play on the counter. But it's almost like they're playing on fast forward at times, and they're losing the ball so quickly, and they've just got no control of the game. But it was clear on Saturday that they were a lot more patient. The first goal came from from a patient bit of play and were waiting for the moment to pick the pass. And I just thought they looked a they looked a much more coherent football team in in that shape and. Obviously, the front two might be 70 years of age between them, but more than a 1,000 goals. And they were both brilliant, two phenomenal finishes. And, yeah, I think there was an awful lot to, to like about the formation, really. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of it going forward.
0: As Ty's just touched upon there, Rich, there was a clear identity and a clear pattern of play which United have, have sorely missed in recent weeks and, and that was really visible against Tottenham, which was obviously warmly welcomed. It was interesting, Wan-Bissaka's credentials going forward have always been scrutinised and maybe Shaw's not being at his best this season. So how do you think they got on in, in
2: the win-back roles and do you think they can continue to excel in that position, in those positions going forward, sorry? I think, like you said, there the biggest question mark is always about Wan Bissaka because, I mean, oddly enough for me, I actually think okay, he's not—he's obviously not the complete fullback, and you know, we compare him particularly in that Liverpool game to the Liverpool wing backs. You know, there's different sort of category of player there. But Wan Bissaka for me has been—he's been okay going forward at times this season. I think you know he still has to sort of identify what type of defender he is because everyone knows that defensively he's got this reputation as being one of the best in the league, but. When he goes on the attack, he seems to then lose something defensively. So I think, you know, for me, wambasaka there's a reason they tried to replace him in the summer. He just he isn't that complete wing back, and I don't think he ever will be. And that's why Kieran Trippier was on the on the short list, and they, why they wanted to to get him from Atletico Madrid. But credit to wambasaka you know, he he has grown into the role. He's getting better. I'm just wondering if he's ever going to get good enough to to be at the standing that needed need to be at. And in terms of Luke Shaw, he does just seem to be having this Euro hangover still. I know that at the weekend it was a bit improved, but I still don't think that he's had a good season particularly. But what I do think could be a good sort of short-term solution is just by putting him into centre-back. Because we saw Luke Shaw sort of begin his trajectory to world-class form playing as an auxiliary centre-back for United when they had three at the back anyway. So... I'd go for in the middle, maybe put Maguire as the right centre-back, put Luke Shaw as the left centre-back and bring Tellez in. And, you know, you've got an actual wing back there, someone who can properly bomb up and down the wing and, you know, offer something a bit defensively and, and a bit offensively as well. And for me, that seems like the the next sort of short-term fix, which I, I'd maybe suggest. But, yeah, I think that it's just difficult now, isn't it? Because United have this this formula. They've got these sort of blueprints to to at least have some sort of short-term stability under Solskjaer. And, you know, you'd fu- fully back him to even have free free at the back at home to City this weekend, which, you know, it doesn't maybe send out the right message and some people say it's not the United way or whatever, but, the truth of the matter is, it's it's the best way of using the squad at the moment in time because it, it gets most of their good players in in the positions they need. It means that they can use hard working players, which they need to supplement Ronaldo and sort of Bruno Fernandes and what they don't offer out of possession. So, I think that I think that the the blueprints are there. Like you said, I think with wing backs apparent and yeah, it's just interesting. I think Wan Bissaka can sort of get away with it in a bit because you've got so much more attacking talent in the box now as well. And you know, Wampasaka's crosses, even though they're so over hit, Ronaldo can most of the time connect with them anyway. So uh, I think that's one sort of solution they've got. And like I said, Luke Shaw as a centre back for me would would make sense and, and put Tellers on the left and see what he can really do. Yeah, I think it's a
0: good shout. I've saw a lot of United fans um asking where Tellers was, obviously. Um Ty sticking with the theme of defense then. Obviously, Varane comes back from injury, and he had a huge impact, didn't he? I know, as you've touched upon, Tottenham were pretty, pretty awful, and um, hence Nuno get losing his job today. Um, but what an impact he had! Tottenham had zero shots on target. Just how important will he be in his return? And that was huge, wasn't it, across that five of the back?
1: Yeah, it was, and you could tell early on that he was really sort of leading that that back far, that back three, I suppose, and he was the one doing a lot of the talking and and sort of controlling the line and. It was noticeable as well that when when Son made a few of his runs through the middle, that Ferran was the one either stepping up to play offside or deciding he needed to go with him. And he really brought that experience that it, that he's got. He's you know he, he's played in um, he's played in so many successful teams for France for Real Madrid, and you can tell he's just a, a world class defender. You know, it was quite interesting that when he was at Real Madrid, uh, I think there was a few people this summer who suggested that he looked so good because he was next to Sergio Ramos, but. He's coming at United. and Has looked pretty solid, and, and Sergio Ramos is having a disaster at, at Real Madrid. So you wonder which way round that actually was. And he, he, he's clearly a world class defender, and I thought he was very good on um, on Saturday. And you know, Rich is right that I I thought I think we all thought Talles might be playing when he put that bizarre message on on Instagram, and then he wasn't even in the squad. Um, he, he is an obvious left wing back, and we've seen that Shaw can play left centre back. The the three centre backs worked pretty well on Saturday, but there's certainly options there for United and. And that's one way of doing it in future. But I think it was, you know, by all accounts, I think Soska might have considered this system against Atalanta and Liverpool, but without Varane decided not to do it and didn't want to use Baye in there. I mean, the Baye one's weird if you didn't want to play him in either of those games and obviously didn't want to play him against Leicester when Maguire was injured. You wonder why he was offered a new contract. He's obviously going to want to leave now. So that's a bit of a bizarre one. But yeah, generally it did work well defensively and the defence looked a lot more solid and it had much better protection as the team was a lot more compact.
0: We'll move on to the goal scorers in a sec, Rich, but I just wanted to talk about um Fred and McTominay really. Um obviously they are not really popular among United fans and that's understandable. The limitations have been well documented in the in the double pivot. But this formation kind of breathed the new life into them, didn't it? And obviously Charles Scott talked about McTominay being his man of the match. He is no stranger at hyperbole. Charles Groisy, he loves exaggerating sometimes, <laughs> but McTominay certainly did put in an impressive performance. So what do you think about them two in that formation, really? And do you think they can kind of re kick or re start or restart or breathe some new life in, as I've just said, into the United career? Sorry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think that McFred, whatever we're going to call them, you know, they get criticized because they're used probably in the wrong way most of the time. You know, the first, the only time of the season where they both played well was that Leeds game because they were so open and, you know, it could, could be expansive. But I think when you use this formation, they are both key and they both have work to do because like I said earlier you know United can just about sort of compensate for having two players who don't contribute too much defensively who you know Fernandes and Ronaldo so you need to have those sort of dogged warriors there to to do all the hard work and the unglamorous stuff which I think Fred to do perfectly in that formation um, so yeah I think for, for right now if United are sticking to that, to that style of play then they are they're both certainties and ironically they might have almost played themselves out of a game against Atlanta because they're both so indispensable against City this weekend you know they have to start I can't see any other midfield pairing that United can go with against Man City so maybe one of them will have to be rested in midweek against Atlanta just to keep them fresh for for the weekend because you know it'll be quite intense having those those sort of free games in in the space of a week and yeah I think that they are they are great in that formation because they do just do the ugly work and by having that extra attacker as well. I think there's less emphasis on them having to play those sort of those balls that break the line. There's less emphasis on them to be sort of more than just ball winning midfields and box to box midfielders. They can sort of do that water carrying role that they're so good at. And as well with the wing backs, you know, you've always got a pass out wide now, which maybe you don't always do because you've got wingers who are sometimes just caught out of position too high up up the pitch, but you've, you've always got a sidewards pass. And I know that's not popular in itself. I know, there's a fascination with midfielders who can always pass forward and break the lines or whatever. But you've got Bruno Fernandes doing that in his specialist role. Then you've got two wing-backs giving width as well. And then you've got two strikes as well. So, you know, worst case scenario, you can just lump a ball up long and hopefully one of them can connect onto it or hold up for someone else as well. So I think Fred and McTominay definitely have their usage. I think in this formation, they they are great assets. And the reason why Solskjaer loves them, it's just when their formation changed or whatever that, you know, they don't really work. And, you know, Solskjaer came into the season hoping to play 4 He's already had to regress and go back to three-five-two 5 2 because that is just the most effective way of getting this United team to work. So I don't think United can... Sort of be phony about it. They've just got to embrace what they are at the moment. They might not be a complete team, but 3 5 2, they can beat anyone. And they've proven that under Solskjaer already that it, you know, play to your strengths. You're not good in possession. So just don't worry about having the ball too much. Just hit teams on the counterattack. You've got the greatest goal scorer of all time and got Cavani as well alongside him. So you don't need to worry about about that really.
0: We're hardly talking about. um... Ronaldo and Cavani on this podcast until Richard just finished his mm-hmm. sentence there, Ty, which is quite amazing considering their, their performances at Tottenham. So you can talk about them and how impressed you were with Ronaldo, really. We'll start with him, obviously that goal. His movement was world class to come back on side and then that volley there. Um so what did you make of them too? I'm sure you've already wrote about it before, I so saw in your match report and whatnot, but both of them were excellent, weren't they? At seventy years old.
1: Yeah, and they were at age, they- yeah. Yeah, they, they dovetailed really well and had a really good understanding. I thought it was interesting. Solskjaer spoke about Cavani in the press, press conference afterwards and, and said his his training session on Tuesday was the best he'd seen in his three years at the club, which is quite some claim, really. And, and impressive from Cavani because he's had a fairly difficult season. He was obviously the main man at the end of last season, agreed to, to stay for an extra year and then sees the United sign Ronaldo and he can barely get a game. So to be putting that work in, I think he's impressive and... Yeah, they, they worked really well as a, a partnership. I'm surprised it's not been trialed a little bit earlier. And I think it you know, it, it probably helped Ronaldo as well and, and gave the best out of him because there's there's no doubt in that 4-2-3-1 that it it was damaging United partly because of Ronaldo. That as the the lone centre forward, he he wasn't pressing enough. We know that's not his game. Anyone that watched him or even just looked at the stats last season would have known that's not his game. When he's got Cavani alongside him, you know, Cavani's the complete opposite, really. He might have be two years younger, but He's so energetic. He presses constantly. And it kind of takes the pressure off Ronaldo to do that. And they were, you know, they were both excellent. And the, the, the two finishes and the two goals were were superb, really. Ronaldo's was a great pass from Fernandes, it should be said, but a brilliant finish. And then Ronaldo's threw ball for Cavani and, and Cavani's little dink finish was sublime in itself. So it, it was a great partnership. And there was there was a bit of talk beforehand about how Toscar going to a back three was was almost kind of admitting, admitting defeat or admitting desperation to keep his job, and it was having to go backwards. Which you know maybe that's the case, but at the end of the day, there was three attacking players on the pitch, and those three attacking players basically scored three goals between them, and, and they were all involved in the goals in a way. So when you've got three players that good, you don't you don't need any more that balance of seven defensively-minded or more defensively-minded players and three attackers is, is exactly what Tuchel uses at Chelsea and everyone's raving about them. So yeah. it doesn't have to be a negative system. The, the obvious issue for United is that where do you fit all these attacking players in? And the big one is Jaden Sancho, who there is just, unless he's repurposed as a wing-back, there's no, you know, there's no role for him in that system. So that's an obvious issue, whereas the others can all play centrally. But, you know, it... it it can still be an attacking system and United just look more solid in it and partly that was because of Ronaldo and Cavani and I think having Cavani up there definitely helps Ronaldo as well and, and helps get the best out of him and allow him to, to focus on what he's so good at.
2: And there it's were things that sorry, Ty said sorry. there as was Steve, was it? like, it just sums up how much... I mean, social was asked this in his press today. Does he feel like there's basically people out to get him no matter what happens? You know, those Norwegian journalists asked him, like, no matter what you do, you get criticised. You're criticised that weekend for having too many defensive players on the pitch. But then you get United fans who say, oh, I wanted Conte in. Conte would have played three-five-two 5 2 anyway. Yeah. So what? Where's the change there? You know, United just have to play to their strengths, and it does feel like there are a section of movie supporters, and you can understand why. Because you know, I'm, I personally don't think that Solskjaer is is the person to take them to a title again. I think he was good in doing a short term role, but probably needs someone else to to take take them on to the next level. But you know, why wouldn't you play to your strengths? And the 3 five two, like Ty said there, there's like almost this lazy perception that because you've got an extra defender on the pitch, you're a defensive team and you're not looking to to maybe go on the attack, but it it just means you attack in a different way. And you see other teams who across the continent get all this like Ty said, yeah, you know, all this sort of credit for doing Get Conte won the league with Chelsea playing 3 five two, but they weren't known as being, you know, playing too defensive or whatever. I mean, it's just you've got to play to your strengths and that's what United need to do themselves. To play devil's advocate then, um, Rich, um, to make things interesting. And obviously,
0: Ty's just kind of touched on the elephant in the room. I don't feel the players at United have been brought in to play that system, obviously. No. Um, and Ty's just touched on Jaden Sancho, which is what I want to ask you about. And there's other players in that side. Obviously, Donny Van Der Beek could come in and send him it, But particularly Sancho, I wrote a piece on him. and Where does that leave him? And that's the question I'm going to ask you. Where does that leave him? Because is it, is it going to become reminiscent now of, of Van Der Beek? I know it's too early to say that at this stage, but... If if Social continues, then maybe the writing will be on the wall eventually.
2: Yeah. And Social again said as press conference today on Monday that, you know, it's about the the team, not about individuals and they can't sort of cater this talent. And Yeah, I mean Pogba as well, where does he come in? Because he's not really ever worked in the two and particularly when he will have proper defensive sort of responsibility if he was ever to come into the side again. He doesn't work as a wing-back necessarily. I know he's been good on the left this season, but Sancho's a really interesting one because he just doesn't seem to be confident really and I know there's this fascination with goal contributions or whatever and you know he's had 11 appearances for United not got a goal or an assist and Solskjaer's been on record himself this season saying that you know assists don't really matter anyway And you know he could tap one in on the line that counts as a goal that doesn't mean he's playing well by by any means does it so I think the worry for Fierce Sancho has just been he's just not looked confident he's not looked like beating a man really I know there's that cameo I think against Everton when he came on he looked all right cut inside from the left and stuff but the, the other worry with Sancho is that he signed as the right winger and most of his appearances have come on the left this season. Last season, he played the majority of his games on the left at Dortmund as well. He just doesn't necessarily seem like the player United actually wanted to sign because even in an ideal world, they wanted him to come in and be that right winger in a 4-3-3. They've ditched the 4-3-3, but even if they had that, he was the left winger at that time. He wasn't really offering any competition to Mason Greenwood on the right, and like you said, I do think that there's a bit of panic because a new player comes in and it takes a while for them to to settle into the squad and to find out what they really do. You can look across the league and see other players who have had sort of similar starts where they've come into a new club, it's not worked out. Give them half a season, give them a year, whatever, and it, it might do. And, you know, the, the long term goal is still for United to play 4 3 3. And that could, in the long term, mean that Sancho does fulfill his potential there. Obviously, he's coming for a big fee. You can almost sort of compare it to Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal. They both came in for similar amounts of money and both did absolutely nothing really in their first seasons. But, you know, Pepe's got a bit better for Arsenal. And okay, he's probably not worth the price tag that they paid, but he's he's offering something to that squad. At the moment, though, I, I do think that you know, like, you know, Solshaw's interest short term is not getting the best out of Jadon Sancho. It's staying in the mm-hmm. job. And I think that Solskjaer just needs to be ruthless. He's already said, he's been on record saying, you know, it is about the team. It's not about individuals. United just need that unity themselves. And yeah, United just, that's why I think the Free 2 works so well because it is just all about hard work and grit and determination. It's not about individual talents. It's not about playing someone for the sake of it or trying to please individuals. It's just, it's all about the most effective sort of style of playing. Yeah, it's a worry in terms of Sancho, but... Like I said, I think long-term, he does still fit in with what United are trying to do. It's just short-term, Solskjaer can't can't be trying to fit him in as a luxury. He just has to worry about his own future at the club. There's
0: two words there that you've just used that I would describe one player um, at Manchester United, ruthless and the luxury. I'm sure you could both probably guess who I'm coming on to there. You've kind of touched upon on Paul Pogba. Um, Solskjaer has been ruthless with Pogba in recent weeks and he has dropped into the bench. Obviously, Ty was suspended against Tottenham, so that, that was explains his omission. Could you see a, a role for him in this formation? Um, because obviously, Richard's just kind of alluded to that he probably can't.
1: Um, uh, possibly. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts tomorrow purely because he's obviously suspended on on Saturday um, and it gives, gives Solskjaer a chance to rest someone. I thought the interesting thing about the midfield um against Tottenham was that it Fernandez's position was interesting. He wasn't really in the number 10 role that we've seen him almost exclusively since his his debut against Wolves a couple of years ago. It was more of kind of a McTominay holding and then Fred and Fernandez as as kind of number eight to either side really. So if if he was to stick with that, you could potentially see Pogba playing alongside Fernandez as a, a number eight. And McTominay was very good in that holding role think he used Fred further up to to help with a bit of pressing really so I think there's potentially a role for Pogba there it will be interesting to see if he does play that that system tomorrow whether he does play him with Fernandes I mean Fernandes did the press conference today which is a sure sign he's going to start so if we do see something like McTominay, Pogba, Fernandes a three-man midfield and then that three-man midfield it'd be interesting to see because there's always been excitement of the idea of Pogba and Fernandes kind of playing closer together and I did think on Saturday that Fernandez's role had changed. He was, you know, he wasn't central as often as he was. He did drop deeper and he played quite a bit kind of on the right hand side of central midfield with Fred on the left. And, you know, he got forward at times well too. He was when United had the ball and were attacking, he he did push on ahead of Fred. But generally, when United were building play, he was kind of level with Fred and they were playing as number eight. So if, if Solskjaer sticks with that, there is potential, I would guess, for Pogba to get in there.
0: I just want to briefly talk about the news today then, Rich. Um, Conte has been intensely linked with Spurs and it seems that he might be set to take up that vacant role um, in the capital. What did you think of that news? Obviously, we I think we're all in agreement that maybe Conte wasn't the man for United, considering his style of play. Um, And who do you think, if Solskjaer is to eventually part ways with United this season, who do you think could actually come in um, to fulfil what they're missing with Solskjaer?
2: Yeah, like you said, it's the elephant in the room, I suppose. And I guess maybe part of the issue is I'm not sure there is at the moment a real clear candidate who you want to say is going going to be that upgrade because, I mean, it's, it's management, it's game of opinion anyway. There's always going to be different fans who argue for different people. For me, Conte, doesn't really suit united i think he had another sort of short-termism just looking for that immediate fix which i think just contradicts everything united have said and you know they've got to have a, a bit of backbone about them you know they've made all these decisions they've given so much emphasis on youth on the academy on this united dna on all these buzzwords you know that that drive fans mad on social media and stuff And you can understand why but you've got to follow that through. you've got to to follow that sort of ethos and like i said I think Solskjaer has been a success at the job he was brought in to do. He was brought in to put smiles on faces, which he did to get, you know, United feeling back to, to what they should be and, you know, to restore that United identity. He's been a success of that. Like I said, I don't think he necessarily is the man to take them forward. And the point does need to be changed at some point. Who takes over, like you said, is, is the interesting one. Conte, you know, we believe would have been open to the United job, but I just don't think he would have been the right fit whatsoever. Um, you know, he might have brought that short-term lift, but I think long-term it's just the chaos and, the, you know, what they'd have to clear up the mess he leaves probably afterwards would have would have taken a few years probably to rectify again back to square one in terms of actual people who maybe are an improvement of Solskjaer and fit that same sort of mold it's gonna have to be a risk I know there's IX manager Ten Hag or whatever his name is who you know Donny van der Beek's probably pushing for I mean (laughs) might actually get a game then Brendan Rodgers another one who does seem to be that sort of style but can United really appoint a former Liverpool manager I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do. I mean obviously Merseyside we've seen Rafa Benitez now in charge of Everton so you know loyalties in football; they don't always have to exist, do they? that you know, there may be a bit of a fascination. Um, Graham Potter at Brighton; I think he's doing a great job. I'm not sure he's Manchester at the manager, but then what is? I mean, if you're going to be contrary, David Moyes looks like the obvious shout, doesn't he? Because he's actually t- working wonders at West Ham. But that one's been and gone. And you know, I did see a tweet last week saying that if David Moyes had never managed West Ham, he would be like the number one candidate at the moment because he's working wonders down at the London Stadium. And that just sort of shows it that give the manager different surroundings, different backing and, you know, it can be completely different. I mean, it's David Moyes' second go at West Ham. I bet there were fans of that club rolling their eyes when he came back anyway. Like, you've just got to look at the bigger picture, really, and see what United need. I know there's this fascination of we need someone who's won something, we need someone who's done this, done that, and that was always the one thing called against Pochettino, you know, and look at him now at PSG. It's not really worked out for him there either. And it's it is difficult. There is no sort of simple solution that I can see at this moment in time because football just isn't that straightforward I know that when Thomas Tuchel before he took over at Chelsea I I still remember vividly fans who didn't really want him because they didn't think he'd done it at at an elite enough level and United have had an attempt at everyone you know they've had the club legends they've had Van Gaal they've had Jose Mourinho it's it's difficult to see what they do but I think that they've got real solid foundations they've got a world-class young squad enviable talent one of the greatest players of all time I just think that they need someone in that similar sort of mold who plays nice expansive football. You know, I like I said, I think someone like Rodgers or Potter for me, they're the two sort of managers I see at the moment in time who sort of fit United's style, who have a good track record of bring through youth players and who play in a similar sort of style of play. But, you know, I mean I'd be interested to know what you two think because I just I just stay away from people like Conte, because I think it's just completely contradictory of everything United have done in the last sort of half a decade.
0: I mean, there's two names that stand out to me. Um, Lewis Enrique is the first one. I think he would be uh, an excellent appointment, but also Steve Bruce. Now, I'm joking, of course, on the latter. I'm joking on the latter appointment. Um, Enrique, for me. So just to wrap things off, um, mm. then towards the end of the podcast, I know we'll have one coming out later in the week, but what are your expectations going into this game in Italy tomorrow and the City game at the weekend?
1: Um, very difficult to know, really. Very difficult to know. Like I say, there was a, there was a lot of good, I thought, on Saturday night, I would ex I would expect this formation to survive against Atalanta and City. I think it makes a lot of sense in in both games to match Atalanta up with the back three and just as a bit of extra precaution against City when United have been so open defensively. But it's still hard to know with United. Obviously, Saturday comes with the caveat that it was it was Tottenham and it was lads, it's Tottenham at their their very best or worst, depending on your viewpoint, really. So it's it's hard to know when it's going to be a fascinating week because it does feel like Solskjaer could well be, with a couple of reasonable results, you know, so they don't lose either game, then I think Solskjaer would be safe going into the international break. And that seems incredible to say, given where we were a week ago. It's it's incredible how many lives he's he's had at United, really. Every time he reaches this point, he, he seems to find some kind of rescue mission. And I thought it had gone too far this time, but again, he's coming back and, we could be at a point where he's basically seen off Pochettino and Conte being out of work and available and and he's still somehow surviving. And obviously Conte, I agree with Rich that he was never the right man. And if he goes to Tottenham, it takes away the easy option for United, which might encourage them to to stick with him as well in November unless things go disastrously long this week. But I I think he'll stick with the back three and I can see it being two pretty tight, pretty cagey games. I think if United play that way, the days of these three twos and five nils and uh, what else have we had? Two one and all sorts of mad scorelines we've had this year. And both teams scoring every week. I think they'll be gone, and I can see two pretty tight games. And I think if United if United get through them both on skating without defeat, then I think Sarsgaard will be
2: will be sticking around through the international break for sure. It would be the most Solskjaer thing ever to absolutely batter City this weekend, wouldn't <laughs> <isn't> it? Like <laughs> I, I I I generally do think that United will probably beat Man City this weekend. I know that's a very early prediction to go with, but. You can just you can sense it, can't you? I mean, I think I sense that United would beat Liverpool last uh, for the, four hours off anyway. So maybe I'm not the best prediction to go. And I think Graham Potter will be in charge in a few weeks' time as well. So <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be asking me for the lottery numbers or anything. <laughs> but yeah, I like Ty said that. I think the, the change of formation suits United really well, and I think in a weird way, Solskjaer might have had like Ty said it maybe a thought of going to it a bit early in the season, but he needed almost the circumstance to be able to do it and, and get away with doing it now. And I think for the next few weeks, Solskjaer just needs to go for short-term, you know, sort of vision. And I think it's going to really suit United. And like Ty said, like, even if they do lose this week, I can't see them losing that heavily because of the, the, the sort of approach that they have
0: so if we've learned anything from today then listeners it's don't get your um, lottery numbers from at rich Fee on twitter um so we'll move on then that's the end of the podcast thanks for listening as usual um thank you ty thanks for your time no problem thanks Stephen. and thank you rich
2: yeah thank you very much like i said euro millions this week whatever you want just uh, <laughs> drop us a dm and I'll, <laughs> I'll sort you out absolute pleasure and thanks again to the listeners take care